You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today, I've got a really, 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 really unique person that has a really unique job. He is a language creator for films and TV shows. You can see his work on Game of Thrones, Bright, among many others. And basically what he does is he's a linguist and he can create languages for different films and TV shows to use in their productions so that their languages actually work and you can actually speak in the languages. And the person that I interviewed, David J. Peterson, he is actually at the forefront of trying to get this into being a mainstream job and having more and more people being in this industry. And I had a really nice talk with him. So without further ado, here is the interview. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So I just wanted to like introduce myself. So I started a podcast and I'm in high school and I talk to different people about their careers and um, I thought yours was extremely unique and interesting and definitely not like an ordinary job that people would normally have. So uh, could you like introduce yourself and say what you do? Sure. Uh, My name is David Peterson and I'm the language creator from HBO's Game of Thrones, as uh, well as many other uh, television shows and movies like uh, The Hundred and Bright on Netflix and uh, Marvel's Doctor Strange. And if someone asks you what like your job title is, what would you say? I'd say I'm a language creator. Language. That's what I do, after all. And that's like that's interesting because you know that's not a normal thing that people would usually say. Like, oh, I my job descript my job title is uh, language creator. So, like, what uh, what would you say the job description entitles for being a uh, language creator? I don't know exactly. First, you should know that the job is unique, at least in so far as it being a career. There have been many people that have been uh, paid to create languages for things, but um, I. I think I'm the first and only person in history who's actually made a career out of it where the only way I earn money is by creating languages. Um, Anyway, for, I mean, the job description, I basically just uh, create languages for for either a television or film property. Um, And that's, you know, the whole thing from the ground up. So really... Uh, the first step is working with um, working with a producer or director or showrunner to figure out what type of a language they want. Uh, the second step is creating the, the whole language. And then the third step is, uh, well, I guess the third step is ha- really has two parts. Uh, the first is translating all required work uh, or all translating all lines into the language. And then the second half of that is maintaining the language. So in case there's more, um, you know, more words that are needed or more bits of grammar that are needed, being sure that those are added to the grammar or the lexicon and that they're consistent with everything that I've created before. Um, by the, uh, you know, by the time I'm, you know, all, still on a show and working on like season three or season four, or what have you, 
mostly my job is identical to that of a translator, um, with the exception that if there's a word that I don't have, um, I'll need to create it or create some strategy for translating it, uh, as opposed to a translator, you know, works with uh, an established dictionary. And like, are you on set, like translating, or do you do it like, uh, like off the production and just like with like script writers and screenwriters? I am almost never on set. Wow. Um, there are occasions where I have been to the set either just to visit. Um, there's one production with uh, Bright on Netflix where I was on set every day. Mm. But um, aside from that, most of the time. Uh, I receive a script, uh, whether it's a full script for a movie or a script for a television show. Uh, the script coordinator tags the lines in that script, which need to be translated into one or, or more languages, depending on how many I've done for that production. Um, and then what I do is I, I get all those lines and I put them together into a document um, mm. and then translate them. Uh, record all the lines on mp3 and then I send them back to the script coordinator who distributes them to the actors wow that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing uh, so did you know that you wanted to do this from an early age I didn't know that human beings could create <laughs> languages uh, so <laughs> like did you know that you wanted to be like uh, like kind of like a linguist or like working with the study of languages I actually didn't know what linguistics was either Wow. not until college wow. uh, I learned about link both linguistics and language creation at about the same time probably around 19 years old Wow so like what would you say um, prompted you to start learning about linguistics well um, I became very interested in learning languages uh, mm. late in high school, um, probably around the end, of, the tail end of my junior year. I became really, really interested in learning languages, and so I started studying some on my own. And I added uh, first-year German. Uh, I was already taking Spanish, you know, all four years, and I was an AP Spanish. But I added first-year German my senior year. And started studying French and Latin on my own. And, um, and I kept up with that when I got to college, where I started studying uh, Arabic and then Russian. And then um, my second semester, they offered a class on Esperanto, which is a created language. And that was the first time I had ever heard of either Esperanto or anybody creating a language. Um, now, when my mother heard about this, she said I should take a linguistics course, um, and I didn't know what that was. Um, I didn't have time for it that semester, but the next semester, uh, there was a there was an intro course, uh, an, a lower division course that fulfilled the breadth requirement. You know, yeah, ultimately I take a course to fill all the other breadth requirements. So I figured I might as well take this one. So um, I took that first linguistics course and I found it just really enjoyable and really, really easy. And so I decided to add it as a second major. Um, it was during my first linguistics course, that, that one that I decided to create my own language. Um, it, it, took a, it took a bit because being introduced to language creation via Esperanto, I was only familiar 
with languages that had been created for international communication. Um, and so I, I didn't imagine that you could create a language for another purpose. Uh, when I finally did hit upon that idea that I could create a language just for fun, but I wouldn't be creating it to compete with Esperanto, um, I just immediately set to it. Uh, I kind of thought I was the first person ever to do that uh, until I found the language creation community and found out that I had joined a tradition that was almost a thousand years old. So would you say that the language creation community is pretty big or is it like really like limited to a f like not that many people? Well, there's there's two senses of it. One is just the um, sum total of language creators in the world, uh, which is, you know, it's not mm -hmm. it's not huge, but it's got to have, you know, uh, many thousands of people, probably not a hundred thousand, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere in between, I would say 10,000 and 50,000. Um, but when uh, when we talk about the community, at least with a capital C, what we mean are those that have found each other really um, via the Internet, mm -hmm. because there there it wasn't. I mean, it was possible beforehand, but there weren't really huge communities that existed until the Internet came to homes. Um, and in that uh, community, there are now separate sub communities. There used to only be one. But um, now there are many different communities. And, you know, with everybody in those various communities that's probably between two and four thousand people maybe more mm -hmm. so how did you find out about creating job uh creating languages specifically for films um the well the first i'd ever heard about it was klingon uh which i learned about from other other community members i did i wasn't aware that klingon was actually a language um even though I watched Star Trek The Next Generation, many other uh, Star Trek like movies that came out when I was young. Um, so I learned about that and also learned at the same time that it was really, you know, something that just pretty much happened once. Um, it was unlikely to ever happen again. Um, so that was that was how I learned about it. And everybody in the community had pretty much the same opinion that there was never going to be a time when there would ever, you know, be jobs for language creators. That just was never going to happen. Um, and I, you know, I, I agreed with them, uh, because, you know, there needed to be opportunities and there were no opportunities. And then of, with those opportunities, those opportunities would need to be advertised to language creators with, uh, you know, their applications actually sought. And that would just never happen, never, ever happen. More likely would be the situation that happened with uh, Avatar, where they uh, decided they want a language and know what to do. So they reached out randomly to linguistics departments until they got a hit. Um, that's usually what happens. Um, even, even in that scenario, there often unaware that there are people that actually create languages. Um, so, you know, it just seemed incredibly unlikely. And it it was basically 100% incredibly unlikely until the day that it happened. And then the world changed. Mm -hmm. So was that what happened to you? Where, like, the producers of different 
uh, like different TV shows came to your college's linguistics department, and no. uh, it wasn't like that. No, they uh, uh, first of all there was only one show at the beginning that was Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and they reached out to somebody who had published a book on on uh, created languages, mm. uh, and they sent uh, that was Erica Okren. She sent them to the Language Creation Society was a nonprofit that had been founded a couple of years prior hmm. um, as a service for language creators. Then the Language Creation Society put together a competition that was announced exclusively to language creators um, and not to linguists. So um, the only people that heard about it and the only people that applied were conlingers. Hmm. And, um, and I was one of the ones that applied after, uh, you know, the competition, which was judged in two different rounds, the first by conlangers, the second by the producers, uh, I had won. And so I went on to work on Game of Thrones. Wow. So what would you say you do on a daily basis as a language creator? Um, the, the work is variable and varied. Hmm. So there are some days where I have, you know, nothing to do because, um, the way the way it works with uh, with with movies are a bit different from television show shows, but movies there's a long um, prep cycle. Uh, usually the script is set in stone like a couple of months before production starts, uh, and so that's where I do my translation. Uh, and then, as filming goes on, sometimes there are calls to translate new things into the language. Um, but with uh, television, you know, if um, if I'm being hired for the first time, most of my days are spent actually creating the language, you know, creating all the grammatical forms and then writing them down in a document for my reference so that I'll be able, you know, I can be sure that everything I do is consistent thereafter. Um, then uh, when the show is on and it's like I've got uh, scripts coming in, um, you know, I'll, I check my email every day, see if I have, uh, see if a new script has come out. For example, uh, today, a show that I'm working on, two new scripts were published, um, or two new versions of the script. Uh, in this case, what I will do, like, it's not urgent, I'm guessing, because one of those scripts, I didn't have any lines. The other script I did, but I don't expect changes to those lines or additions. What I'll do is I'll download both scripts, um, and see what changes there were, because the changes are always highlighted, and see if there's something new for me or something that needs to be changed. If something does, then I will create a new uh, a new version of the document, you know, an updated version, um, and do whatever changes or modifications or translations need to be done, and then re-record or record a new MP3, package that all up, and send it back to the script coordinator. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty much what an ordinary day is like when I have translation. It's just a matter of how much translation I have. Um, even then, in the off time, if I don't have anything else, I will often just work on uh, the languages. Just because, I mean, there are my own languages, and I do that for fun. Um, and it never hurts to have more vocabulary. Uh, the more vocabulary you have by the time you start translating, the better. Uh, because create words really slows down the process of uh, translation. Mm. So um, would you say that 
you are getting paid for doing something that you love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So uh, I can definitely tell like you're really passionate about making languages and being a language creator. And uh, I think that's like a pattern. Every single person I've interviewed so far, every single person is extremely passionate about what they do. And that shows in their work. So I want to ask you, uh, what motivates you to continue making languages for different films? Honestly, aside from the fact that I, you know, I just enjoy it, um, it's uh, it's the community itself. Because you know, my the first language I created without knowing any other language creators was a very very poor quality. I thought it was very, very good, but it was quite the opposite. So, you know, when I first was introduced to the community, um, it was both, uh, I think everybody has this reaction. It was both excitement that there were other people that were doing what I was doing that I could share my stuff with, but also, you know, jealousy, thinking that, oh, so they've been at this longer. They probably think they're better than me, but of course they were. They were quite a bit better than, than me. But um, once I kind of got over that and started to really learn from others in the community, that's when I started to improve as a language creator. I, I started to improve by leaps and bounds based on everything that I saw. Um, and I know for a fact that had I not had that education, let's say, you know, had I just continued creating languages on my own by the time... Um, you know, the Game of Thrones drop came up in 2009 that I would not have won. I probably wouldn't have made it out of the first round. Um, and so, you know, I want to both honor the community by doing the best job I can with everything I do, um, but also want to try to strive towards uh, getting to a point where it will, you know, just be language creators that get hired. Um, I've got, you know, I've I've been able to get uh, I've been able to get several different people jobs, but even so, that's really more a word of mouth, direct recommendation thing. I, I want to create something different, and that's what I'm working on right now. But I think the goal is just that some of what I've seen that the community has done has been some of the greatest works of art I've ever seen in my life. And I want them to get the recognition that they deserve, at least just as a just another type, a different type, but another type, another art form. Um, and we're not there yet, but we're getting there. So that's that's honestly what that's honestly what drives me more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And um, so I know that uh, you're talking about the community, and there's like a lot more language creators that are coming up. So. If someone is like aspiring to be a language creator, what would you say are some characteristics or traits that they need to be when they're first starting out or like they need to have when they're first starting out? Well, first of all, if you want to be a language creator, you don't need to do anything except start creating a language. That's mm -hmm. it. We have a very low, low bar to entry. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's I mean, that's that's it. Yeah, you just, just start doing art it. and then you're it and then you're it. Now, if you want to get better as you create languages, it, it helps to go through the process of creating a naturalistic language. Um, and I, I like this analogy holds in the same way that when you start to do art, you don't start off with abstract or cubism or anything like that. You start off with simple 
still lifes and sketching, um, drawing the human form. You do that so you can kind of figure things out. And then basically you have to le learn the rules before you break them. So it helps to kind of go through the process of creating a naturalistic language, figure out how that works before you go on to do other things. But um, basically you just, you keep going with it. You keep practicing. Um, you keep studying other languages, as many as you can, as different as you can. So not related languages like, you know, Italian, French, and Spanish. But something like, you know, Italian, Japanese, and Arabic is better um, because they're so different uh, and they're not related to one another. You get a better sense of exactly how languages can be different. Um, so yeah, do that. Uh, so keep creating languages, study languages, and also to study linguistics uh, you don't necessarily need to do that at a university um, you, you know of all things uh, Wikipedia with linguistics is actually quite good because uh, I don't know why necessarily it happened but linguists really took it upon themselves to kind of take care of the linguistics Wikipedia there are, there are linguists who write-ins where they will update you know update all the linguistics wikipedia articles or add ones and so it's actually quite good as a resource even if you you know even if you're not at a university able to study with somebody so you do those three things and uh, eventually you will improve as to how that turns into a job there's just no clear path right now but i'm working on it all right mm. so just mm. you know work on your skills so hopefully we can get to a point where you can actually compete for stuff. Yeah. And for um, someone like me who doesn't really know that much about linguistics and language creation, um, what would you say like the process is like when you're first starting out making a language? Uh, I mean, if without any background knowledge or resources, you know, mostly you kind of fumble around in the dark. You think about what's in a language and what a language might have, and you kind of do that. Usually you start uh -huh. off creating a, new alphabet most usually start creating an alphabet by just making modified versions of english letters mm -hmm. and things like that and just coming up with different words for things uh the the key is that is to learn that the distinctions that your own language makes are simply it's simply one possibility for how a language can solve the problem of communication um so you know you might think if you're like, oh, I'm going to create my noun. So here's my singular form and here's my plural form. Mm -hmm. Well, there are plenty of languages that don't distinguish between singular and plural at all. There are also languages that have a separate form called the dual for exactly two of something. Mm -hmm. Even languages that have forms like a singular dual for exactly two, trial for exactly three, and then a plural for four or more. Um and then there's other possibilities, for example, those that take the plural as the basic and have a modified form when you're talking about exactly one of something. Um, all of these are possibilities. And there are, of course, even further possibilities that don't exist in the languages that exist on Earth. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a matter of every choice. Uh, you, you've really arrived, I guess, when every choice you're making when you're creating a language is a choice that you are making consciously rather than simply defaulting to that choice because it what's it's just what happens to happen in your own native language. Mm. 
So, uh, what, uh, kind of advice would you give to your past self that just started making languages? Hmm. You know, I'm not sure I would have given any advice to myself, uh, at least in terms of language construction, because I think I liked the path that I, I went, or I liked the path that I walked. Uh, probably the only advice I would have given would have been to just be less of a jerk. <laughs> I mean, especially the uh, the messages on the conlang list, they're archived on the internet forever. So you can see my earliest messages. I didn't even introduce myself for my first message. I just re- responded snarkily to uh-huh. somebody else's message. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, back then, I mean, that was... 2000 I think it was it was either 2000 or 2001 and so we also just we still hadn't I mean especially well people my age we still hadn't kind of figured out um, you know what it meant to be polite on the internet and that there was such a thing you know I was still using America online so I mean that was part of it maybe it would be different if I were you know the same age now now joining a language creation community i don't know but you know even so i just that, that's always my general advice to myself give uh-huh. others the benefit of the doubt maybe don't be so quick to criticize so my problem and uh i want to talk more about like the film industry so how does a film find out what you're doing and reach out to you and ask you to make them a language well, unfortunately, at this stage, it's really just the fact that I worked on Game of Thrones, mm. um, and everybody knows what it is. Uh, many of the jobs that I worked, I worked because of either because somebody saw my work on Game of Thrones or because somebody on Game of Thrones uh, later went on to do that thing. Like, for example, that's the reason I worked on Thor The Dark World is because one of the directors of a couple of the episodes of Game of Thrones directed Thor The Dark World. And so he, he wanted me to join up. Um, so that happens a lot. I think that's the way that Hollywood works a lot. That's why, uh, and certainly everybody's familiar with this, when a certain actor gets hot, suddenly you see that actor in everything. It's, you know, it's just because. Uh, that's just the way Hollywood works. It's not the best way to work. It's just the way it does. Um, the, with... Uh, with writers and directors and things like that, at the very least, there's a there's a union in place to make sure that there's some form of uh, equity or a meritocracy. Uh, but of course, there's nothing like that for an industry that basically didn't exist before I started doing this full time. So, um, you know, for that reason, that's just the way it continues to go. Basically, people hear of me. And so they contact me. If they don't hear me, they probably just do the same thing and reach out blindly. Um, it's becoming less and less likely that that happens just because there's uh, there's now more and more productions that feature created languages that get a lot of attention. So that's good. It's, mm. We're headed in the right direction, I think. We're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. So... Um... There's like, so there's like no clear path if you want to become a language creator uh, making 
languages for films it was just like you got onto one show and then all of a sudden it started like popping and then you went on a bunch of other different films yeah exactly uh, um we you know the the language creation society had that uh contest right and the language creation society did get a couple of of uh like more visible jobs after that but um some of the jobs came to nothing like uh, for the movie noah uh you know i was in charge of the hiring process on that one and we hired somebody and they got paid and they did work but all their scenes were cut from the film and they are their name didn't appear in the credits and so that job led nowhere i mean it was cool that that one thing happened but it didn't lead to a career because it didn't mean anything to anybody that somebody had won a competition in a language creation society. It only means something if it shows up on the screen. So um, that is still there, by the way. That's the jobs board, which I created for the language creation society um, back when I was president. A jobs board is still there, and you can um, you can find jobs there um, if you want. But a lot of the jobs are very small scale. So not for TV and film, but for, for things like graphic novels or novels or, or games. Um, there have been a number, probably been at least 20 over the years. Um, and now uh, if you want first dibs at it, you need to join the Language Creation Society, which I think is fine. But um, I mean, that's that's one route. But you have to be satisfied with the fact that, you know, some of the jobs that are going to be posted there are very small scale, kind of low paying, and um, definitely not going to be for big movie productions uh, because that's not the way Hollywood prefers to work. Mm-hmm. So, like in contrast, um, for yourself, who's like known and has done a, f- a lot of films already, would you say that the pay is like pretty, uh, like pretty good for your for yourself? Oh yeah, it's it's good enough. I mean. I don't, you know, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a lot of money and it's probably not as much as somebody who was more mercenary could be making, mm-hmm. but you know, it's enough. I mean, all yeah. I ever really wanted was just to own a house. That was it. Mm. And I do. So, okay. It's yeah. Great. And so it's like, I think, um, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, I think I would like take a pay cut to do something that I love to do every day yeah i mean you could but you could but you shouldn't um and this Mm, is okay so like when i say i'm not making as much money as i should be or could be it's largely because of two things one i was handicapped by the first contract that i signed with game of thrones um because i didn't i didn't negotiate it the language creation society did and they negotiated a very bad very bad contract um but um but also it's because i don't have an agent and i'm just working with these companies on my own um and and also i do have lots of experience negotiating these things and it's the case where sometimes it's just different productions i'll give three different productions the exact same numbers and one will just like you know hang up as if i've insulted them by asking <laughs> for so much money uh-huh. another will say well that's about right and then the third one will agree right away and try to get me to sign a contract immediately, in which case it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I clearly asked for 
much less money than <laughs> you were expecting. Uh, it's because the, they haven't worked with language creators before, so their expectations are all over the board, depending, uh. I think, on how much they respect what it is that I do. So sometimes they'll think, you know, just give him a credit and maybe $2 and that should be enough. Whereas other times they're thinking about the same thing I am. And other times they think, well, he worked on game of Thrones. He must, he must be requiring, you know, seven to $10 million. And, you know, they're shocked by when I give them something drastically lower. Um, but you know, it, it could be the case that you know, if there were just a bunch of language creators, they would just say, you know, like, you know, you know, I pitch my numbers and say, oh, I'll do it for $500. And somebody else says, I'll do it for $250. And <laughs> says, I'll do it for free. And then another says, I'll pay you $500 you to do this. And it's like, you can't, you can't do that. Because uh, that's, I mean, pretty soon, you know, Hollywood would just start accepting that. And pretty soon it would be the type of things where, you know, it'd be like, you know, pay this much money and you get the opportunity to create a language for this. Ridiculous. <laughs> um um so like and and certainly like i I couldn't do that because if i did i would actually be hamstringing future language creators um uh i want them you know if you're just starting out yes you'll get paid less but you need to be paid fairly and at the very least you need to figure out how many hours this thing is going to take you and decide how much you'll be paid for each of those work hours um, and you know, the absolute lowest, lowest you should ever go is $15. Um, and even that is just scandalously low. That's, that's minimum wage or it should be minimum wage. Uh, if you're working on a production, you should be getting professional wage, which is at the lowest $40 an hour and then go up from there. Hmm. Um, I just have like this, okay. This like, uh, curious question. How many languages do you know? Like not fictional, like uh, that are like used in the world. What do you mean by no? Like uh, you can communicate with a native speaker, I guess. For how long? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like just like a normal conversation. Hmm. Is there like is there like a really long list? Um, no. It's a very short list, depending on how advanced you get. English and Spanish are probably fine. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, just after that, it's just my ability reduces quite sharply. So after that, it's probably German. And after that, it's probably French. And after that, it's probably Arabic. And now after French, it's probably American Sign Language. And after that, it's probably Arabic. After that, it's probably Russian. Um, and after that, I don't think I'd feel comfortable uh, communicating. And everything else I've just studied on it as a book. Um, and part of uh, communication is just patterns um, and, for lack of a better term, muscle memory. So just need to keep trying it out and doing it. Mm-hmm. So would you say uh, learning, uh, what would you say is easier, learning a language or making a language? Hmm. learning the language yeah Mm. and uh what would you say uh when you make your own languages i know there's like different things in each language and you kind of touched upon it like the different plurals but they're also like you know different genders and different um like 
I don't know, like some languages have letters and then some le have like um, caricatures and characters like Chinese and Japanese. And when you make your own languages, you take a bit of every like of like uh, different grammars from each and like the different, uh, no. I don't know, just like different characters or you like make your own. Nope, you just make your own. You just make your own. Yep. All right. And this is going to be the last question. I don't want to take more of your time. Uh, what do you want to do in the future? What does like the future look like? Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to work less <laughs> on TV mm -hmm. and film so that others can work more. Mm, wow. and, and so I'm, I'm trying to see what I can do to affect that change. And so, you know, make it less random so that there is a path. That's that's really the goal right now. Wow. I need to figure out how to get there. Wow. All right. Uh, well, that's going to be it. I really want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Learned a lot, definitely, about, like, linguistics and language creation. And I want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. So, uh... Thanks for thanks for contacting me and have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Right on. And that's going to be it for my interview with David J. Peterson, a linguist and a language creator. And honestly, he was one of the most informational people. Extremely nice, just a down-to-earth person. And he did all this while having one of the most unique jobs, one of the jobs that you wouldn't expect somebody to have. But nonetheless, he was really awesome and really fun to talk to. And I really like to thank him for doing this interview. And I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, thanks for listening. And I hope that you have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.